Hi, my name is Michael Coleman, and welcome to the Outpost podcast series. For those of you who haven't attended an Outpost event, the Outpost is a weekend retreat of engaging activities, great food, amazing performances, and opportunities to spark new connections with like-minded people, brands, and agencies from varied industries and backgrounds. In each episode, we sit down with musicians, artists, outdoor enthusiasts, and talk about their creative process and what inspires them to create amazing work. I hope you enjoy. So I'm here with Scott Hansen at Outpost 2018. This is not your first year. You were here last year. Yeah. But you were here for like a, a sliver of a moment from sunset to sunrise in a way. Well, what was or what, what was your participation last year? How would you describe it? Uh, yeah, I just rolled in for the uh, the set. Basically, I didn't really understand the the whole thing. So I was like, okay, I'll just go out there really quick, play the set. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then so I went home. I told my wife, uh, like, we got we got to check this thing out. And so we came back this year for the whole thing. So now, after having a chance to spend the day here, how would you describe it to somebody who's never been to Outpost? What like what's the best way to describe this? Adult summer camp, I guess, <laughs> with brand, with brand awareness <laughs> at every turn. Yeah, it's cool because you just meet like uh, a lot of like-minded people, people in like the creative industry and stuff. So that part of it's cool. But I mean, we today we like did falconry and rode crazy one-wheeled electric snowboards and rode bikes around. So yeah, it's just fun. It's it's nice to get out here. It's like an old Boy Scout camp. Yep. So basically, how many chances do you get as an adult to hang out in that kind of environment for a few days not get a weird look yeah, yeah i'm just spending the weekend at the boy scout camp and get free socks and get free socks yeah so uh i think it's like a perfect segue into you and your background for folks who don't know you you're a musical artist you're a designer you have many different hats that you wear but um i think what's exciting is for for someone like you to be to come to outpost what, like what surprises you when you drop into a, maybe a community which isn't something where you spend a lot of your time but then you're I guess you're surrounded by a lot of other artists other people like how does something like Outpost inspire your own work when it's not you know it's not NAM, it's not uh, AES it's not like a very music centric audience what is it like about being in the outdoor space that how it obviously influences the work that you do well yeah I've always been really inspired obviously by the outdoors and the, the redwoods in particular are kind of like a a pretty familiar backdrop for me we, you know my family I grew up in Sacramento so we, we came out to places like this a lot but I mean the the community here, the people who come to this is, is a pretty familiar thing as well because I, I come from a background in graphic design and branding and software development and stuff like that. So like this this is all kind of in my wheelhouse, especially all the the uh, photographers and, and videographers here. That's And then those are people, I, I still do a lot of photography and then I deal with a lot of videographers just for the work, for doing the visuals. So it's definitely a familiar community and it's in a nice setting too, so it's good. How do you describe your own uh, work-life balance when it comes to play and being inspired and uh, last week you i think a great example is being a burning man something that's a tradition of yours of it's it's more play than work and there's a sense of community that's important to you how do you describe your own kind of balance of of obviously like the grinding of being a musical artist making a living and then also balancing it out with doing things with your wife and (laughs) outside of of your other family of the band well i would say that balance is something that's been evolving uh over the years and it didn't do much evolving for a long time I think and but recently I've been really focused on like finding a way to make this sustainable because I think when I was younger and it was new I had transitioned into doing music for a living and so it was something I don't know that I completely understood or or understood that I would how long I would be doing it for Mm -hmm. you know I was just like oh if this works it works whatever and then you know it just started getting to the point where it's like man I, I can't do this year after year in this 
this way. So like I've really been focused on spending more time trying to be more efficient when I am working and uh, spend less time kind of spinning my wheels and obsessing over things and just like focusing on these these moments of like inspiration and then forcing myself, pulling myself away from it, going out, going do things like this and, and uh, do more leisurely activities so that when I come back, I'm like refreshed and ready to work. And I've actually found over this last year writing this this new record that I'm working on, it's it's been a much more effective way to go about things. I think the music's better and I think <clears throat> I'm in a way better headspace and I'm just a healthier person. I've focused a lot more on like physical fitness and diet and just getting sleep and <laughs> normal things mm-hmm. that you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And uh and yeah, it's really it seems to have paid dividends. Like I feel I feel way more balanced than before and you know the album's not done and it all things do always get intense at the end but i know i'm in a way better place than i was this time two years ago when i was working on epoch in in 2016. just looking at the kind of just discography 2006 past prologue your first album then 2011 then 2014 then 2016 it kind of exponentially came down from three years to two years and now we're looking maybe at is is your new album gonna be out in 2018 or 2019 do you think uh, it's tw- 2019. 2019. So this okay. one, because I, I was shooting for, I've never had a summer release. Okay. So that that's the idea. And I kind of, part of that whole other thing was taking some time. I didn't take a ton of time off, but we definitely toured a lot more and spent a lot more time during the touring part of the cycle. Because typically the cadence is about two years for bands. Okay. And, you know, you're seeing that that cadence that kind of like smoothed out around 2011. That's because that's when I professionalized the thing, like became, I stopped doing graphic design. Yeah. So you're look, you know, dive was actually the product of those five years between Passes Prologue and Dive. I was working on that in the background. I just wasn't focused. Sure. And then in 2010, I became really focused on it, put it out in 11, started touring full-time, and, and then it was just like, at that point, you realize you have to put a record out every two years. And plus, that kind of feels natural. By the end of a year of touring, you're like, all right, it's time to start like working on new music. You know. Mm. What can you say just about your own interest to not fall into the traditional cycle of process of having, it's the record album, promote the album with a tour. You, you're mixing it up with a, a remix releases, some albums. You're going out and doing DJ sets. You're doing one-offs. Like, what is it about the diversity of how you interact with your audience and how you release music that keeps it interesting for you? Like, wh- how has that come about and why does it work so well? Or why is maybe it's perceived as it's working so well, maybe? Yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, the album format, like as a paradigm, that, that way of going about the music business is definitely something that I think, that's something that's changing a lot. And, and I don't necessarily think it's it's at the core of things anymore for a lot of people. It's something that I, I feel strongly about because I grew up in a time when that was what there was. You know, you went and bought an album, you listened to the whole thing a hundred thousand times and then you went and bought another, you know. So like, I want to serve that and I love the idea of, of an album as as this uh, singular work this in an arc instead of just like, here's a song, here's a song and maybe they're disconnected. But that being said, I mean, this is, Epoch was the fourth full length. So with this one, I want to do a lot of different things stylistically, try to change things up. And and I think part of that might be releasing in smaller, like bite-sized chunks, like EPs, like four to six songs here, and maybe like three three EPs that then combine to become an album at, at the end. So I'm still playing with that. I'm letting the songs kind of everything flesh out and then see see what it feels like at the end. But that that's something that we've de- definitely been talking a lot about from a strategic point of view as far as the releases. I think it's something that I even saw John Mayer do. He released a single, a single, an EP, and yeah. then he released the album at the end of the year. It's like, here's all the stuff you already love, but you can get it one place. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the thing now is that we're realizing with streaming <clears throat> and the way people consume music on, like, basically YouTube and streaming is, yeah. is a big part of it. And I think um, 
there's there's a lot of this content stream and a lot, a lot of things become ephemeral where mm-hmm. where the song you hear it and it's the cool song that mm-hmm. week and then there's another song from somebody else and it's just people have this really short attention span for music which i don't think is necessarily a bad thing but uh if you want to keep people's attention or if you want to get people's attention you need to have this keep injecting things into that stream or else you know i, I don't think you're really gonna catch a lot of people these days but that i mean you know that's kind of a cynical way to look at it and you have to play that game but at the end of the day I, I i would feel kind of sad like if at the end of it a full album didn't come out of it because i do think there's a lot of people who who still want that they still want that full album format and they want that physical you know that's why vinyl does so well these days yeah, they yeah. still want that physical thing and they want to think of it as a record so i think there's a balance there and and i think everybody's trying to figure out what that balance is but we're uh this is going to kind of be the first test for us for someone like you who has an incredible love affair with technology and the tool that it is for music making how does san francisco influence you as an artist because growing up in sacramento being on the outskirts of the bay area you're definitely part of the bubble but you're you're in the middle of it when you're in san francisco having you know some amazing technologists who are introducing new technologies new synths new plugins just things that are pushing the art form of music how has how that all played into your own evolution as an artist yeah, you know, it's hard to say when you be, you know, objective and look outside the bubble when, you're, when you've been in it for yeah. so long. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there's an energy there and, and this, you know, like my, my buddy Christopher Willits, um, he does Envelop. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's like a multidimensional immersive, audio. Yeah, yeah, immersive. Space, so, yeah. so just seeing things like that, it makes you think a little bit different about what music can be. I think there's definitely an element of it. Coming from Sacramento, like I came up and then even at the beginning of my career touring i kind of came up in the indie rock scene like we were even playing indie rock mm-hmm. clubs and on an indie rock circuit our ma- our agent was indie rock booker so it's kind of like we just got thrown in that world mm. and i think once you have a guitar and the music they're like all right that makes sense <laughs> so like i saw it from that perspective and then slowly just saw that there was this other side of music and this other side of production and a way to use music as a technology to connect people and to connect with people on a deeper level like maybe you know just seeing like the sound baths and like healing things and therapy that that side i haven't i've never gotten into it but seeing people there's a lot of that going on in san francisco i think that's definitely influenced me and just made me realize how powerful music can be as a medium i think when you started taking your music live you had to think about the visual representation of how you want to represent it so being someone with a background in both audio and filmmaking i really appreciate the fact that you're thinking about all the sensories it's not just about four or five guys on stage playing the their guitars whatever all their instruments the best they can but you're actually trying to create an experience so what inspired that and what can you say just about what's what you appreciate and what's unique about that experience that you guys are doing well i think you know i i music i was always really into rock and folk growing up and heavy metal and stuff and i didn't even hear electronic music till i think i was like 18 when i went went away to school in san francisco and then i didn't start making music till i was about 20 and that's i you know i never touched an instrument so i i came into it through the vector of technology i started hearing drum and bass and i was like how is this made and so I got like a, a sampler because I figured out that's how it was apparently made. Right. And, uh, and just started digging into that. And I was like, okay, this is something that makes sense to me. Like a guitar or a piano or keyboard at the time was something that seemed like something other people who had been trained to play. And it's not something you can just step up to. But with my background in computers from you know a kid, I was always using them. I was like, I can get into the technology side. And then I started playing guitar later incorporating in the music so at that time i was just playing a laptop set <laughs> and i was too scared to play a guitar in front of people yeah, yeah and then slowly just added more and more and then with dive i started working with zach brown mm-hmm. uh, brought him in to like do more complex guitar and bass parts and then it was like so once that album was over 
uh, and I had already written all these songs that were really guitar centric and I was like there's no way we can go just I'm not going to just go push play on the guitar parts of this that yeah, 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 yeah. like a keyboard or yeah. whatever a synth pad not so no, big, no, yeah. there's, it's difficult to connect to a, yeah. a person playing person, but yeah. a guitar it's like I know what a guitar it, sounds like yeah, and I know what it should look like. If there's like. a guitar solo yeah. and no one's there, it's like, ah, yeah. well, this is kind of weird. Yeah. So that's when I added that in. And then as far as the visuals, those have actually been there since the very beginning. I think okay. I played maybe three sets at like dive bars in Sacramento with uh-huh. just me and a keyboard. And I was like, or me and a um, <laughs> laptop and a keyboard. And I was like, this isn't cutting it when it was just me. And I was also so, I had so much stage fright and like I was so nervous up there. And I was like, anything to take it so people aren't looking at me. So I'd have these screens to the sides that wasn't yeah, yeah, in front yeah. of him at the time. And I was doing graphic design and animation yeah, yeah, at yeah. the time. I was just getting into it. So I wanted a, an outlet for that. So it all just kind of started out of that and then slowly grew and, and, it, and it took shape. I don't think there was some grand vision at okay. the beginning. And then it just kind of became what it is now. It's a known fact of if you're going to a Tycho show, it's going to be more than just hearing the, your favorite songs or inter- new interpretations of them. But there's going to be a visual kind of experience too. So. Yeah, I think the immers- that's, that's just an immersive element. And it, it, at least for me, you know, I'm a very visual person and, and I just want that other outlet. Like I'm, I'm doing all this other work all the time, but a lot of people maybe don't see that because it's, it's basically just for like show posters and album covers, right. things that people don't see that much anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, like that's just motion graphics and all that kind of stuff is, is something I've always been interested in. So I, I'm slowly always trying to add more of that. But I, I do think the whole show... Ne- I don't think of the music as like this super visceral, exciting thing as much as like watching like a hardcore show or something like that yeah. where you're just like, you're just seeing it and everyone's like the whole audience is just living and breathing this this back and forth energy. So with us, I, f- I feel like it's a cinematic experience mm. and, and to have that, you, you need that visual component as an underpinning. Mm. Is there one that influences the other? Is it vice versa when it comes to like when you're in a new album cycle and you're thinking about new songs? Do the visuals, does something you see a picture, are, are there visual references that will inspire a theme or a concept? Or uh, like how, how does your visual influence the music and vice versa? Like what, what's the crossover? Because can't, you can't turn one off at this point. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm never like... I'm not sitting there like sometimes when I'm when I'm writing music like it'll start to come together and you imagine kind of a, a vague space like sometimes it's an emotional space sometimes it's a physical space yeah um, and when it is a physical space I think it's more of like this idea and not necessarily a concrete like this is we're at the ocean and mm-hmm. there's something, you know something's good there's surfing going on or oh, something I mean, past prologue I feel like is like an anthem in, in a sense to something that you're tapping into yeah that whole album was like a homage or like an ode to my home mm-hmm. you know to, to Fair Oaks and to the the river and and the forests out there and that that vibe and like the hot bleached grass mm-hmm. of summer and all that stuff so like that was a different vibe and then you know dive was was when i came out to san francisco so i was closer to the ocean and mm-hmm. i've always had a deep connection to water of any kind and so any whatever type of water is around me that's the thing i kind of i feel like inspires me the most and so dive was like the more like ocean record mm-hmm. and i think you know i think but mainly this the thing that splits things is what what songs do i feel like are are truly emotional like a human emotion thing and what are like more psychedelic like kind of out of body experiences like sort of things that I think are, are there, there's these ideas that are universal to people, but they're outside of the human experience, the normal human experience. And sometimes we experience them through different, in different ways, but, but those are the ones where the visuals just kind of get crazy mm-hmm. and there's all this lights and there, there's kind of otherworldly imagery. And mm-hmm. then other ones I feel like are, are much more organic and you're looking at, at pretty literal images from nature and things like that. But I always try to be really careful to not have it just become like a nature film with music behind it because it's like, like uh, <laughs> yeah I mean any of the, like the grandiose 
operatic experiences that we've seen yeah just over the top just like yeah just overwhelming and it's just it's like i want it to be an out-of-body experience i want there to be something that transports you a little bit outside of something that you are familiar with or comfortable with so it's like whoa what's that that's like pretty trippy like is it space but there's i think i saw like a kaleidoscope of the tree or something so like you know try to change everything in some subtle way so it's it's kind of like a little bit psychedelic i think something that i resonated with really well was the fact that uh correct me if i'm wrong is that i guess you have a studio in your house is that right yeah under the house so with that being said like that must influence how you work when you work absolutely and how you treat the studio space so what was it? Where did that decision come from? Obviously, you're sharing a house with your wife. Yeah, <laughs> she's got to deal with the fact. Oh, he's in the basement again. <laughs> well, it's it's weird. Like the house, I had a I had a big warehouse, like a, what was like supposed to be a, a gallery, art gallery in Sacramento, yeah. but the guy didn't ever open it, so I got a deal on it, and so I was in this huge space that totally made sense. It was like an art space, but there was no delineation between the living and the the workspace. And when I came out to work in San Francisco, I actually came out there for a totally different thing to work at Adobe mm-hmm. doing uh, software development uh, interfaces. And uh, I just totally stumbled on through a f- through my boss, the guy that hired me this house. Mm-hmm. And it's like San Francisco, it's so hard to find places. So I'm still in the same exact house. <laughs> but luckily it had this, this pretty big room in the basement that's next to the bedroom, unfortunately. Uh-huh. But I just turned that into the studio. It's been that ever since. And like, I think... I'm not the type of person who likes to like go, I don't punch in and punch out of work. I'm not good at that. Mm-hmm. I like to be like back and forth, go upstairs, eat dinner, go right back to work, whatever. So it fits my style. But yeah, as my life has evolved, my personal life and, <laughs> you know, having having a, a roommate and my wife, uh, it's it's definitely kind of changed the, the dynamic of my relationship with work. But that's another part of the recent evolution is, is trying to get my, my schedule into, <laughs> I've been like really trying to go to sleep early. I used to stay up working all night. Yeah, yeah. So now I, I go to sleep at normal hours and wake wake up at normal hours and try to work when yeah, everyone yeah. else is working. Yeah. And it's actually worked out good. Yeah. yeah. Going back, you mentioned Zach, uh, Zach Brown, who plays bass and guitar with you guys and uh, someone like Rory O'Connor on drums. I feel like he's a, a pretty important cog in, in the whole machine of Tyco. What was life like before you collaborated with people like Zach and Rory and what was life been like after? Like you said, before you played live and did DJ sets, there was a transformation that happened and you made a conscious decision like in order to grow as an artist, in order to make this music career sustainable, there's certain things I need to do and one of those was getting a band. So like how does Zach and Rory and the other collaborators that you have change it up? It's still, I've learned, you know, a lot from them about traditional music structure and, and instrumentation and, and just having like Rory uh, they're both much more skilled musicians than I am like playing instruments so yeah, they're yeah. just shredders you know they're really good at their that their instruments Zach at guitar and bass and, and Rory at drums so that's been inspiring and I've learned a lot from that and just like learning to work within the context of a group of people um, especially the live show that's been the biggest I would say that's been the biggest challenge in my my entire career is the live production and just touring and making that into a a viable uh, business, which is tough. You know, you it's there's so many moving parts. You know, like you see a lot of electronic musicians, and they they've got a pretty limited production. And sometimes I envy them. You know, with, without having to like roll up with trucks full of stuff mm-hmm. and like all these instruments. So that that's something that was really inspiring and really like changed the way I looked at, at and and you know just playing those shows and having that visceral connection all of a sudden with the audience was a very new thing to me and I'm like wow like they're feeling like when Rory's shredding or Zach's right mm-hmm. up there on the edge of the stage it's like wow and that's something that I wanted to take back to the studio and try to capture and that's that's what Awake was it's basically Awake was the first like let's try to make this quasi rock record you know with with the energy of the live show but still all kind of the this floaty Tyco stuff going on 
<laughs> yeah. Um, something that you mentioned when I saw you maybe about a year ago was that you're interested in, it was, you did a collaboration um, with some vocalists and, and you were interested in introducing a little more lyrical aspect to your music. Did that play out? Is it going to play out in the new music? What is it about adding lyrics then changes your audience's relationship to your music when it's like a literal message you can kind of implant into it? Yeah, I, I mean, right now, that's, that's definitely a big part of what I'm working on. I mean, it's it hasn't come to fruition exactly yet. There's a few things that are that are there and mm-hmm. I'm actually working on, and other things are just kind of planned, and I'm starting to, to make the connections with, with the artists. And I really still don't know what that's going to be or, or how literal of a representation it's going to be, but it's it's been something I've always been really interested in, just like I was interested in doing the band and, and did that for a couple records, and that was like a really focused goal of those. That's That's kind of at least and that that's the beauty of the concept of these these EPs is mm-hmm. that I can kind of disconnect that from what you would consider core or like canon type or whatever mm-hmm. it's like well here's this other thing and take it for what it is and and whatever you think of it like fine you know kind of test the waters in my own way without having to say like create this album and somehow inject that but the more I work on it the more I feel like it's just kind of kind of flow in there and, and it'll probably end up actually being part of the album mm. And something too is the fact that uh, I think you have a good handle on your uh, distribution and how your fans want to interact with you. Nowadays, we don't go to Tower Records anymore or traditional uh, store. It's all kind of somewhat digital. So for someone who enjoys every aspect of the production and you care about not only from the front cover to, you know, I think you know what, what's going into your into your music. What can you say just about the fact of like the final delivery of how your fans are listening to music? Obviously, streaming is here and it's not going anywhere, but I think you've taken a step further and you're offering fans like a few options. Like as a fan yourself, you know, what is it about having thinking of that aspect for your own music? I think, you know, it's it's been a <clears throat> it's been a give and take thing uh with with the whole you know, there's been a massive shift even in my own career uh, in in the way people consume music and the way it's distributed. And, you know, streaming has become a huge part of the picture recently. And I think there was, at the beginning, I don't think I truly understood it much. But, like, as I've come to understand it and come to, I stream, that's pretty much the only way I consume music <laughs> right, myself yeah. now. And yeah. in this disjointed way, like I was saying earlier, the stream of consciousness of all different artists and different types of music. And I appreciate it on, on one level. And, you know, obviously there's some downsides. But I think the beauty of it is, and with Epoch, that was kind of the idea of just, I finished that and it came out like two weeks later. Like literally I sent in the masters and it was up on streaming within like less than two weeks, I think. So there was something cool about that. Like literally it's like farm to table music or something. <laughs> it's like literally it came from the studio and people were, actually I finished it and I, I drove, me and my brother drove to Burning Man and I played it uh, I for what. Sunrise. I just played the whole album. Oh, yeah, yeah. And That's so right. it was like That's this right. really cool, f- I've never, because usually you have to wait like, four to six months right. depending on the production schedule for yeah. vinyl used to have a really long lead time and it's getting better these days so you know there's there's something cool about waiting and then it goes out but there's also something cool about i just made this and now you're listening to it and that that's that's something that's pretty exciting but in general i think it's actually been really advantageous to this type of music to to us particularly is the streaming format just because i think people consume this music can, can be soon consumed in kind of a background way really mm. easily. It's, it's really conducive for work or, you know, homework. Does I've, that bother I've you at all? Absolutely. I mean, no, people <laughs> say, you know, that's how I use, I use music too. I use it as, yeah. as a, as a tool in a lot of ways, you know, there's not really that many times in my life I'm sitting down and enjoying music. It's almost never cause yeah. I'm either, I'm either working on music, but when I do graphic design, I like need music is like more important than mm. coffee. You know, it's yeah, just yeah, like, sure. those are the two important things that you have to put in to the tank to make it work and Mm. and so like having i think that's actually a high compliment to have this thing that 
puts it's almost like a meditative meditative thing is like you know it gets into your head and, and allows you to do something that that you may ha- be having issues with or it just uh, allows you to be better at it mm. now that, that you're you know working on your fifth album i guess do you have aspirations of stepping outside of the traditional kind of stance of a musical we see a lot of artists doing scores for films do you have other aspirations other other opportunities that maybe five ten years down the line you can imagine that your music could kind of transform into yeah absolutely i mean i think I'm always interested in those things, but it's just like, man, I don't even understand. You know, when I look back at some of those years, I'm like, I don't know how I got all that done in that that time mm-hmm. frame, and like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to do it again. So, like, to think that there's going to be time for that is uh, is sometimes not that reasonable. But I, I think one of my dreams on the horizon is like to combine all this into some sort of short or like mm-hmm. medium length kind of feature video thing. Which in that case, you know it'd be kind of scored in a sense probably with existing music and some interstitial stuff that was that was original but yeah i mean that's definitely when i think of myself at like 50 or 60 i think of like i'm going to be a graphic designer first and then i'll be doing maybe a lot of stuff like that you know that that seems like the future where i'm not really leaving the studio that much and that that's the kind of stuff still in the basement you're saying yeah exactly (laughs) if i can get back to the basement my whole career has been about (laughs) go out there play as many shows as you can and then slowly find your way back to where you know you're bringing that because you know i love playing shows and i think it's an important part of the of the whole picture and it's a great way to connect with fans but at a certain point, just from a, a financial reality standpoint, you yeah. have to do it a lot more than I think is healthy and a lot more than is is conducive to like creating more and more music and being inspired. You know, when you literally are just grind, 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 boom, get in the studio, you have this window to do this. It's kind of like, that's a lot to expect of anybody on an artistic level. You need space and you need you need perspective and you need to be able to step away and, and have some time to like just be yourself for a while. And that's, that's something you... I know a lot of musicians who live this lifestyle too and there's you know there's I'm not complaining about any of it it's it's fun and it's it's yeah. inspiring and it's super fulfilling but I sometimes worry like okay is is the output suffering like you need to you need to find that balance so that you know you're you're creating the best music you can create and fulfilling all those your vision to the best of your ability without compromising that just to go play another mm. 10 shows a year or whatever you know lastly we, we've seen like a, a huge growth and shift obviously like dance music and EDM and electronic music over the years really evolve the taste of the audience the listener has evolved in terms of what's acceptable what is it about your own personal taste and that you think stands the test of time i can still go back to your you know past prologue and i feel like it doesn't feel data uh, dated versus i I went back and listened to some alan parsons (laughs) who was just at burning man i was like and listening to his old stuff i'm like oh he sounds like it's from the 80s yeah sounds like it was from a time and place and yet your music doesn't necessarily have a specific time and place what is it what what is it about what you were doing that you think doesn't really fall into those traps of like oh this was 90s or or 2000s well i think you know alan pars is a good example i mean i think people like that who harness new technology and and kind of it's this zeitgeist moment where they're they're connecting with the energy of that moment and that's being you know they're channeling that through the music i think in a way it can just be like wow this is the newest thing i've ever heard this sounds like the future and you know i, I hear mm-hmm. albums like that all the time and it's just like it's hard to separate that and be objective at the time you're just like this is what is this i've never heard anything like it and then yeah like two years later you're kind of like uh that was yeah that was totally 2013 man <laughs> you know so like i think there's an element of that and i mean that's the thing is i don't think of anything that i've ever done as incredibly groundbreaking i think i'm mining nostalgia and i'm mining some familiar it, familiarity in general just like finding that human connection to like a memory or whatever all those Mm -hmm. things and i think that it 
that's kind of going to be by nature a little bit uh, timeless if, you know, just that you can't place it in a time. And, and I think, uh, you know, just all, all my influences going way back have all been like, you know, classic. I was listening to like 70s rock mm-hmm. in the 90s. So it's like I've always just been like 20 years behind. So I think that might be part of it. But yeah, I think I think uh, technologists and people who are really leveraged technology in a very like in the moment way, I think it's really cool because it shows it's almost like hot couture or something whatever you know it's like here's this thing where you're like or hot whatever i don't know how to say it <laughs> it's good, it's good, it's good. <laughs> but, you know it's like you see this thing and it's these crazy elements that you're like yeah. you're not going to be able to you're not going to yeah. go to nordstrom and see that tomorrow yeah. but you're going to yeah. see elements of it trickle down so i don't think you can take that music at its face value you have to think about how it affected other music and, and i think that's that's what's really special about that stuff is is that it, it kind of it's made its way into the fabric of popular culture so we're not going to see a taiko line of dresses at Nordstrom anytime soon what you're saying. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no and you're probably not also going to see like groundbreaking album of the year awards being thrown around for any taiko record in the but future you, you were nominated for a grammy so let's not i wouldn't say you. that's yeah but i would yeah that that's true and that, that was really a, a huge honor but yeah it, i don't you know like i heard new forms by Ron, ronnie uh-huh. size represent mm-hmm. uh when i first heard that and i first saw their show it was just like this is like 10 years from now i don't know how yeah. this exists right now i mean yeah. like i've been like warped into the future so it's like that kind of stuff always interests me but again it's not a lot of the times it's not stuff that i end up listening to time and time again and coming back to decades later and and uh, lastly what can you say it's always a question you have aspiring musicians people who look at you and say my gosh i wish i wish i could replicate that in my own way or just you know have a little bit of that magic what's like the the thing like your north star what's always stuck with you that's guided you and kept you kind of grounded in in your own way there's just always been this this vision or this image or this kind of idea that I've been trying to get across and I actually feel like I kind of lost touch with it for a while and I think you have to do that <clears throat> or else you're just going to be like grinding down into this deeper and deeper hole that's that's kind of one one dimensional and uh I think Dive was kind of like where that all came together because that was the first record I really focused all my time and energy on and then you know I was really trying my best to incorporate all these new elements with the with the two with Awaken Epoch and I think I think they both achieved that to to certain degree you know, to their own degrees. But I think I've really kind of circled back to that original guiding light that, that was pushing me all those years. And I don't know, it's weird. Like I, I think it just took like recentering myself to, to get reconnected with it. So I was, that, that's actually an interesting <laughs> question. Cause very recently in the last couple of years, I've been like, man, like, what am I doing this for? Like you start to just question like what happened to that. And, uh, not that it's lost, but maybe that it got blurred because you were looking at this other thing for so long. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've, I've reconnected with that and it, I've, I don't think I've felt this inspired since in a long time. I just feel like there's like kind of a rebirth of the whole thing. That's super exciting to hear. I, I'm excited for the new album and obviously people who want to find, who haven't experienced your music, you have taikamusic.com and your Twitter account, the ISO 50 and the other Spotify and every other shape and flavor so out there. <laughs> to what are you most excited about besides releasing the album when it comes to just the year ahead? Because here we are in September, like do season, I swear that's my last question, but how do, how do, <laughs> how do, how do the seasons influence? Because I feel like there's an ebb and flow to anyone's year, just like an album layout. What can you say about being here in September? Like I find the holiday season, it gets quiet and people, yeah. and people go away and stop bugging bugging people about stuff totally like, yeah. and the music industry gets really quiet especially around like december uh after after thanksgiving you stop getting emails every day from labels and agents and managers and stuff it's so that's a very that's a time that you can always count on as this window nobody typically really releases music during that time but for me like on an emotional level i think 
fall i mean i haven't had i feel like you don't get real summers in san francisco anyways but this summer we somehow did and i kind of took it as a sign as like you don't get many of these because sacramento i'm so used to just this amazing long hot summer you're going to the river and it just you like you feel like you're connected to nature all all of a sudden and we got that this year in san francisco and i'm like man this is what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna like completely be a part of this and like not really work that much so it was an amazing experience and then you know fall comes it's always like a wistful time where you're like oh man memory yeah you're seeing like death is coming the end of the year it's all over the cycle and all that stuff right so yeah i mean i think it's an emotional time and you start really thinking and having feelings about things (laughs) and uh it's cold outside and there's no sun so you stay in your damn house and make some music so like that's that's an important part of it too and I, i think that's what i'm looking forward to this is actually the the moment this trip is the end of my my summer like as far as like i'm like that's the break point where i'm gonna just buckle down and finish this record i think i have a few like dj or i have like a little dj tour thing but it's just on the weekends coming up in october and november i think so but other than that that's it i'm just gonna be grinding on on the album i love it how you're excited about that knowing that there's a long grind ahead i love i mean i love work (laughs) and i love i love the technical side of it and that's kind of most of the writing is done so it's just going to be mostly like you know production and mixing work so you know it gets it gets monotonous sometimes but it's so it's such an fulfilling part of it to see it actually come together because you know when you're writing music and you're in the inspirational mo- process mm-hmm. it's such an unknown and it, it can be really scary because you're like i don't know you know <laughs> yeah. i could sit down for a week and maybe nothing good's going to happen you never know and you do sit down for sometimes more than a week and nothing <laughs> worthwhile happens but with production it's like i got a excel spreadsheet and i got a whole yeah, system yeah, 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 and it's yeah. like i know that this song is going to be done by you know next sunday and that's a good that's an empowering feeling to know that you can put the hours in and you know it's going to be done. So like that, you see the end in sight. And then when the album's done, it's like the greatest feeling because you know you have two years off. <laughs> At least off from the feeling like you got to write something compelling, you know, new music. You can just work on the production and play the shows. Awesome. Man. Well, Scott, yeah. thanks so much for talking. Thanks for having it's me. It's great to have you here at Outpost. And there might be a chance of hearing some music. We'll see if, if Willits shows up or not. Well, yeah, 2 a.m. We just got to stay up, drink some more coffee. <laughs> cool. Thanks for having me.